Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Solve My World podcast. I am your host, Joseph Ward. Today, we are going to be talking about a, uh, let's see, what do I say for my Wednesday shows? A uh, Something about how the world works, something that is useful for us to know to help us make decisions in our lives or that are just interesting um, uh, systems that are used in the world. Man, I need to really come up with a better tagline for the Wednesday show. But anyway, Monday shows are things that are personal, things we can control. Wednesday shows, eh, you probably can't control it, but it's interesting to learn about. So, um, so yeah. So today, um, I was going to talk about an idea that I had a few years ago about having a... Um, uh, creating a new uh, type of currency that wouldn't have any inflation or deflation, um, and that was basically tied to your the value would be um, stable compared to your time that you spend working. So that I thought about talking about that because I think that's really interesting. But I thought maybe I should maybe do that next week and this week talk about. Um, what currencies really are, what money is uh, in the first place, uh, so that that will actually make more sense. And maybe you'll be able to see why my idea, why I think that my idea is a important one to think about. So I'm basing this off of an article that I wrote two years ago on the Steemit platform. Um, and I titled it, Do Currencies Need to be Backed by Something? The Difference Between Currencies and Commodities. And the reason why I'm basing it off this article is because uh, even though the premise of the article, when I originally wrote it, was mostly to argue against the idea that people should focus so much on having a gold-backed currency, um, but, I, but a lot of the principles I talk about are the, the, are the things where I explain... Um, you know, what currencies are and what gives them value. So I'm just going to use that as my outline. So the first thing that I want to talk about is, um, is just a couple definitions. So we've got things called currencies or money, and then we've got things called commodities. And sometimes the, the two get a little bit confused. Um, and, and, uh, and I think it's important to know exactly what the difference is. So um, a currency is basically just an accounting system or a ledger system, and it, it allows us to trade with each other without the inefficiencies of a straight barter system. So the way that trade originally started was people would have different items, and they would just trade them back and forth with each other. Um, you know, I've got fish, you've got wheat, and, um, and I want your wheat and you want my fish, and so we switch. Or we trade the items and and both of us uh, are better off for it. So the problem with this system is what happens if I've got a lot of fish and you've got a lot of wheat and I want some of your wheat but you don't like fish. Now we can't trade with each other even though one of us wants what the other one has. And so monetary systems were invented to allow people to trade even when they might not necessarily have um, the same want. And what that, the technical term for that is called the coincidence of needs or the coincidence of wants or 
something like that. And, um, and it's just the idea of to, for a trade to happen, you have to have two people that want to make the trade come together at the same time. So, so with money, it may, it makes it so that I can trade you for your fish and for money. And then, um, and then you can turn around and take that money and buy wheat from someone else. And, and so it allows us to uh, make any trade uh, using the money as kind of a uh, an in between step, and it makes the modern world world possible. It makes the process a lot more efficient. Um, so, so that's that's kind of the purpose of money. So, a commodity is is basically something that has value, but it's usually something that is a fungible item, and fungible means that if you have two of this item, you could interchange them and they would basically both be the same. So things like gold coins, you know, if it's the same amount of gold and the same purity there, it's fungible with other bits of gold. It's, you know, it's the same. Or if we talk about something like oil, you know, or, um, or even wheat can potentially be somewhat fungible. So it's just the, it's, uh, there are things that you can trade and you can kind of lump the prices all together, as opposed to something like um, uh, like fruit at a grocery store. All the different fruit, maybe that's not a great example, but all the different fruit is um, is going to have different values based on how old it is and um, and uh, where it came from, how it was grown, all these different things. And so, so they're not as much; they're not as fungible. And so it makes it harder to, to, uh, to know like what the price would be. So what gives both currencies and commodities value? Well, the thing that gives everything value is, uh, the market. And by the market, I mean, when you have buyers and sellers coming together, that's when you can find out what the price is. Now, as for what actually creates the value, um, I can't remember if I didn't uh, podcast on this before. I th- oh, I did when I was talking about automation. So, so if you listen to that show, um, I talked a little bit more about uh, how, where value actually comes from. And the idea is that value is created. Oh, excuse me. Value is created when a person does work for another person basically. And, but how we determine what the price is of something is by who's willing to buy it and who's willing to sell it. And so that comes down to the concept of supply and demand, which is where, where supply is how much of the thing you have and demand is how many people want it. So the more people want it and the lower the supply, the higher the price will go. You think of it kind of like an auction. If there's only one item and there's 10 people that want it, the price is going to go higher as the people compete to see who wants it. But if there's 10 items and only one person wants the item, then they basically can just, um, the people selling the 10 items are going to be competing to try and sell it to the one person. And so that's how supply and demand is, uh, is calculated. Um, you also have to take into account um, liquidity uh, or 
um, volume, which basically is how much is there in the market being bought and sold. Because the more there is in the market to be bought and sold, the more likely it is that the price is going to be um, more or less correct. If you if you don't have as many people buying and selling an item, then the prices might fluctuate a lot. Whereas if there's lots of people buying and selling all the time, the prices are going to stay pretty stable because you've got lots of people in there buying and selling all the time. So, so anyway, that's what actually creates the value. Uh, well, that's how the price is determined, I should, guess I should say. So commodities, normally the things, the reason why people want to buy commodities is for their utility or their use. So if I can use something for something that I want, then I'm going to buy it. So I'm going to buy gas to put in my car because not because I think that the gas is valuable as like an investment or something, but I know that I need to put gas in my car to drive. Um, or, or if I, I need food, so I'm going to buy food so that I can eat. And, and that's, and that's where the, those items get their, um, value. Even if someone spends a lot of time trying to, to, um, you know, pump gas out of the ground or well, I should say pump oil out of the ground, then refine it into gasoline. If no one wants a gasoline, if no one drives gasoline cars, then there's no no one that's going to buy it, so the price is going to just drop to zero because no one's going to buy it. So what is it that makes currencies different than this? And originally, when I wrote this article, <clears throat> I was look I was aiming to more of like the cryptocurrency crowd because, especially back when I wrote this, which would have been like 2018 or so, um, when I wrote this, um, a lot of people were buying cryptocurrencies as like investment instruments and and they thought that you know the prices were going to go way up and there's a lot of people talking about like like oh we should have these different cryptocurrencies backed by different things you know by different commodities like gold or um that that's one of the main ones but people came up with a lot of other things that they could use to back their different uh currencies and so <clears throat> so I wanted to point out on on in this article that that kind of defeats the purpose. And so the reason why um, is a currency is is you can almost think of it as a type of commodity because it is something that brings value to people. Uh, the reason why we use um, the reason why we buy dollars with. Um, you know, like our labor, if we go and work, it's kind of like we're selling our work and trading it for money. So we're buying money with our labor. And the reason why we buy it is because it's useful to us because we're going to use that to go and buy other things with it. We're going to go and sell it to other people in exchange for, you know, food and rent and everything else. So if you think of it in, in those terms, we're, if you think of it still kind of like the barter type of situation, then the currency is just like any other uh, any other commodity. So we could use gold or we could use wheat or, you know, we could barter any commodity, but the thing that makes money, especially, or currencies, especially valuable is that they're, they're specifically designed to be extremely efficient at allowing us to trade. So think of it like that. Think of it like a, uh, a commodity that is specifically used to facilitate trade. Okay. So if we do that, 
<clears throat> then why would we need to back it with another commodity? You know, it doesn't it doesn't really make sense to tie the value of the two things together. If you've got, you know, some currency, let's just say US dollar here, and then you've got gold over here, they're two different commodities. If we tried to say, okay, we're going to say that US dollars are worth this much gold all the time, uh, which is what the United States tried to do for a while, then basically it just makes, it pairs those two commodities together so that their prices are connected. And and the reason why they did it originally is because they wanted to have people to have faith in the dollar, but um, but but the the outcome is that you just tie the two commodities together. And in the example of the United States dollar, France got smart to it and started saying, "Okay, well, we'll start trading you U.S. dollars and you give us gold." And so pretty soon the United States is like, "Ah, oh, we don't want to give up all our gold," so they um, so they stopped that practice. But that's a whole other story. So if we don't need to back a currency with something, then what makes it valuable? How do we know how much a dollar is worth or a Bitcoin or any other kind of currency? So there's a few things that I've, I've come up with that, that are things that give the utility to the different uh, currencies or that make a good currency. So one is making it easy to transport. So if you have something that's very bulky, um, something like wheat, for example, they used to use that for money quite a bit back in the day. And the problem with wheat is that it's very hard to transport and you have to like make sure that it doesn't get wet and, you know, all these different things. And so transporting it was expensive. And so if you wanted to give it to other people, it was kind of hard to do that because it's it's a price relative to its weight and and easiness of it to transport was low. Uh, so that's where something like uh, gold became a lot nicer because because um, you can hold you know one uh, a, a one ounce coin of gold which can fit in your pocket. I think today is worth something like fifteen hundred dollars or something like that. Um, it's somewhere in that range, but. And so that you're carrying a lot of value in your pocket, and so that's very easy to transport. Now, of course, with the internet, we've got we've got different banks and uh, and businesses that have allowed us to send money online, and that allows us to basically transport money uh, instantly. Now, of course, there's fees and things that go along with it, and so there's still a cost, and that's another reason why some cryptocurrencies are are looked at as being really easy to transport because you can basically send it to anyone in the world relatively instantly and relatively inexpensively. Relatively inexpensively? Okay, so so easy to transport. Next is easy to transact. So if you can, if, if no one wants your currency or they don't view it as a currency, then you're not going to be able to spend it with anyone. And so you're not going to be able to use it as currency. And so that's where, uh, when I wrote this article, I was talking about, you know, Bitcoin is a great idea and and a really cool um, uh, system that was set up, but it it's not quite as valuable because you can't spend it everywhere. And, and of course, there's ways to work around that. Like you can buy Amazon gift cards with Bitcoin and then use that to buy whatever on Amazon and stuff like that. 
But as far as just going to someone and say, okay, here's some Bitcoin and you give me what you want, you know, that's not the way that it works. And so it's a little bit less value for that. This is where something like the U.S. dollar is king because you can spend the U.S. dollar anywhere and pretty much anywhere in the world you can spend it. And even if you can't, it's pretty easy to find somewhere that you can exchange it for a local currency pretty quickly. So the ease of transaction is how easy is it for you to spend money with other people. So that also includes if you can break it down into small enough pieces. So like with a dollar, you can break it down into pennies if you need to. Um, this is where gold is a little bit less useful because if someone's like, oh, I, this costs a dollar, you know, are you going to take a pocket knife out and shave off a corner of your gold uh, coin to hand to them? You know, so it, it becomes a little bit more difficult with in that situation, which is where, of course, uh, you could have other coins to to be different values and things like that. But but gold specifically is uh, less easy to transact because you can't break it down that small. Okay, the next thing that you have to have for a good currency is it needs to be able to hold its value over time. And this is probably the most important thing because even if something's easy to transact with and it's um, and it's easy to transport, <clears throat> if you can't, if you can't, um, if it doesn't hold its value over time, then there's no point in owning it. As soon as you, as soon as you get it, the value starts going down. This is when inflation happens. Um, then you're just you're losing value by holding that currency. Um, and then the opposite is deflation, which is when your currency goes up in value, and um, and that can have potential consequences too in an economy. And so ideally, you want to have a currency that stays relatively stable. Now, most um, Federal Reserve systems in the United States, or in the world, sorry, um, they try to target a little bit of inflation, which they feel like is is better than having deflation. And and I I haven't really seen a good argument for for that being wrong. Um, I think it would it's best for it to remain exactly stable, but since you can't, it's really difficult to say what stable is. I think it would be better to target for slightly more inflation than less. Now, some people, some people will say that uh, inflation is actually higher than what the Federal Reserve says it is, and I think I probably agree most of the time. But, but they usually try and target. I think it's like two to three percent inflation, and, um, and which means that every year your dollar is worth a little bit less than it was the year before. And so in the short term, this works out pretty good because the the central banks just the central banks just manipulate the interest rates and print more money to try and keep the inflation rate relatively stable. Um, the problem is that it could potentially lead lead to corruption and oftentimes ends up failing in hyperinflation situations. Uh, because as soon as you have someone with the ability to just print money, it's really hard not to uh, abuse that power. And even if it all goes well, at the end of the day, you still have to trust these banks. And they're not government entities. They're banks. They're private banks that um, uh, that make the money. And we have to trust them to do the right thing. 
which in the short term, the right thing for them is usually the right thing for us. But in the long term, that's a little bit more questionable. So, so that it works pretty good, but it's a little bit, it's a little bit scary sometimes. So another way that that has been shown to work is, um, is when you, when you have, uh, something like gold or other commodities, um, gold is a very good example because it's so easy to transport. It's relatively scarce and, um, it's very easy to tell if it's, if it's actually gold or not. And so that's why it's probably been the, the best or the most used monetary system throughout history, uh, because it works so well, you don't really need any trust. It's just, if I have gold, then we can exchange it and we're done. So gold is a very, a very trustworthy uh, form of money. And the only really drawback with gold, like I talked about, is the ability to transact with other people is a little bit harder. But, you know, that's where silver can come in because silver also is very similar to gold in where it is. Uh, it's very easy to tell if it's if it's real gold. So people can't just print up more or sorry, silver. People can't just print up more silver or gold and and start counterfeiting it as they could with the U.S. dollar, whether legally or illegally. Um, another one that's been that's that is the basically the Bitcoin cryptocurrency experiment right now is using programming to uh, to create that trust or to hold that value over time. And so, with something like Bitcoin, uh, the program was written and it was written open source, which means everyone can go look at the code. You can go look at the Bitcoin code. And see exactly how it's going to work. And every uh, every ten minutes, another twelve and a half bitcoins are created, at least for the next few months. And then, you know, every four years, I think it get the the amount that's created gets cut in half. And so then it'll be like um, six and a quarter bitcoins will be created every um, every ten minutes. And so you can see what the inflation rate is. And so since everyone can tell what the inflation rate is going to be, it means you can kind of trust how um, how the value is going to uh, be influenced, at least on the supply side. Now, the demand, that's the other side of the equation, and, and it's difficult to time that. So And so that's, that's one thing that's a fairly new thing. I mean, it's been what, 11 years since Bitcoin came out, and it seemed to work fairly well. I mean, the prices have just gone nuts up and down, up and down. I mean, mostly up, but when it goes down, it goes down hard. When it goes up, it goes up fast, which isn't very good for a currency because you want it to have stable value. Um, and so, which is why uh, after thinking about it for a long time, I came up with the idea of how, how would I make a stable currency if I was to do it, which I will talk about next week. But to summarize, uh, a currency is basically just a type of commodity that its use is for facilitating trade. And a good currency needs to have the ability to be transported easily, the ability to spend easily, and the trust of people that will hold value in the future. And you can create that trust with um, whether it's you know a, a big banking scheme that that they use today, or whether it's a scarce resource like gold or silver, or whether it's programming like with Bitcoin. So we don't need to tie currencies value to other commodities because that's just um, 
that's just sticking two commodities values together, which just creates weird, weird market forces uh, that can be exploited by people. And so I don't think it's a good idea to do that. I think it's better to just keep everything separate, though I can see why people want to do it, especially when we have like the Federal Reserve that just prints money all the time. It is a nice thought to be able to be like, well, you can only print it if we have gold, you know. So so that is a, a but then it's like, well, why not just use gold then? Which is kind of what we were originally supposed to do in the United States is the Congress was supposed to um, use gold and silver or what or whatever other uh, precious metals to create coins, but they weren't supposed to uh, declare what the value of the coins would be. They were just supposed to declare what the weights and and what their um, and their purity. But anyway. That's a whole nother topic. So, um, let's see. Let me make sure I got everything. Yeah, well, I think that's pretty much it. So, so I guess the reason why this is important to know, one, I just think it's interesting. Um, I think I, I like studying the free market a lot, or markets in general, and social interactions in general. So whether it's political systems, economic systems, social systems, it's all very interesting to me. So I'll be talking about stuff like that, mostly on Wednesday shows. Oh, maybe that's what I should call them. Uh, dang it, what did I just say to describe that? Um, I don't know. How people in the world interact with each other. Hmm, that might work. Um, but, but economics especially is is interesting because it kind of, I think it's, well, I was going to say, I think it's, it's the one that we can really directly control. Whereas the other ones just kind of arise, but I don't think that's actually true. I think the other ones you, you can set up the systems just like you can with economic systems. So it's never mind. But, but, but in an economic system, one of the major components is currencies because it's just such an efficient way to run economies. And so, as of right now, that's still the way that we run um, per, uh, every economy in the world is with different types of money. Uh, and so so I think it's really interesting to learn how does that money work, and especially when you start learning about how the people who set it up are, you know, at best, um, you know, just kind of making it up as they go, and at worst, uh, exploiting uh, the system at our expense. Even if it's just a small expense of 2 to 3% per year, that's uh, still an expense that that we're paying for. So, so anyway, something that I think is interesting to learn about um, in economics and uh, so So yeah, so next week I'm I'll talk about my uh, my idea for how to create an actual stable currency, which I am I mean, I, I have the idea basically fleshed out, and I think you could actually make it work with a government um, fairly easily. I was trying for years, or at least months, I don't know how long I was thinking about it, but of trying to think of a way that you could do it without a government, kind of like Bitcoin, where, where Bitcoin just works. You know, you wrote the program, threw it out into the world, and now it just runs, and no one can shut it down. And, and it just works. It's got its problems, but it's still running. 
Um, so I was, I tried to come up with a way that you can do that. And I still haven't quite been able to figure out how exactly to make my system work in a way like that. Um, in a way that's simple enough that, that I like, I like things to be simple. Um, even if they're complicated, if that makes any sense. I know if any of my family are listening, they're probably like, he doesn't like things simple. He likes to make them complicated, but I like systems that just kind of like, when you finish, they just kind of click and there's not just like extra little tidbits. I'm not sure exactly how to describe that, but, but anyway, so, uh, so yeah, hopefully maybe someday I can think of a good way to do it. And, uh, and if not, it wouldn't be the worst thing. I think if the government switched over to doing this type of system, so we'll talk about it next week on my Wednesday show. But with that, I think we will go ahead and end and say that this has been another episode of the Solve My World podcast, helping us live a better life and solve the problems in the world, in our personal lives, in in the lives of those around us, you know, if they want us to help. But okay, I'll talk to you guys on Friday.